Hi, this is Tony at Cover Magazine. I'm speaking to Kashmira Saran, the KPMG insurance partner, but also the co-editor of the survey, the um, KPMG 2023 insurance survey. Thank you very much for talking to me today. It's Tony, it's a pleasure being with you today and, and discussing um, some of the insights coming out of this year's survey. Brilliant. I'm, I was very sad that I couldn't be there. Unfortunately, things just didn't work out, but I received the survey and I've gone through some of the points and so on. So I think it was um, quite interesting, the stuff that came out. So I'm going to maybe ask you to first just give us a bit of an overview of the aim and the context of this survey. Hello, Tony. Um... So on an annual basis, we collate the financial information of um, a large majority of the market. So that includes your life insurers, your non-life insurers, and reinsurers. And we capture this financial information into a comparable format. Um, we then analyze the, these um, or the, the results of the industry from this financial information, and we then provide our insights on what these results are telling us. Um, this year was particularly momentous for us as the KPMG insurance team in that we launched our 25th anniversary edition of the survey. Um, and what we see from that is that, you know, the performance of the survey, um, you know, providing insights on the results is, is very much unique to the industry, but also, my, also very much valued by the industry. Um, another important aspect of the survey um, is the thought leadership pieces that accompanies the financial analysis that we provide. Um, so that covers topics that are, you know, particularly relevant at a point in time um, to the industry. So, for example, we've got um, some topics on IFRS 17 and the related tax impacts. We've got some topics on generative AI and other forms of technology um, that um, you know insurers should be considering, um, and um, you know a couple on ESG as an example. Mm -hmm. And um, when you look at the um, sort of um, main issues that came out, that's impacting the um, the three different categories: life, short-term, and reinsurance. What what stood out for you in the survey? this year? So maybe let's go back to the theme of, of this year's survey. Um, so if you have a look at our publication, you'll note that the theme of this year's survey is the power of human. And what does that really mean um, for the insurance industry? Um, what we're saying, um, you know, why that is of relevance is that the importance of um, the human touch of relationships um, you know, between various industry participants um, cannot be under, underestimated across the industry, particularly as it relates to the insurer's relationship with its policyholders. And this, this goes back to a theme that uh, we see globally, so a global area of focus by, by insurers around customer centricity. So that's, that's quite a major focus area at this point in time. And what we're seeing is that at the center of an insurer's um, strategic priorities um, at the moment, um, you know, be it technology, um, you know, initiatives, innovation, ESG, um, you know, growth, um, and, you know, just the focus on the customer base. Underlying all of those strategic priorities is the focus on customer centricity. So, so what we're saying is that if you don't keep your customer at the core of what you're doing, 
you know, you can implement many of these initiatives, but, um, you know, just by keeping them at the center, you will probably be able to achieve many of these strategic priorities successfully um, in the near future. Mm. And and what we're seeing also is that um, some of the other issues that we see coming out of, of this year's survey is that, um, so globally and locally, uh, I think all of these economies are pretty much faced with similar issues from interest rate hikes to inflationary pressures. Um, and not forgetting, you know, the impact of, you know, we've got a very moving, a very much moving geopolitical environment, um, as well as political uncertainty, not just to South Africa, but, you know, many, many economies are faced with these issues. And those types of, um, I, I guess, um, influences places pressure on, on consumers' uh, disposable income. We then have you know, the um, increased um, incidence and severity of your natural catastrophe events, um, you know, something we see coming through more, more frequently and, and at, at a higher scale. Um, again, placing a lot of pressure on reinsurance pricing, um, also a global trend that that is very much prevalent at this point in time. And, you know, at some point, insurers, um, you know, will need to consider, you know, passing over those those costs to to the consumer. So that is a challenge that's also also coming through quite, uh, quite, um, you know, quite starkly, I guess, at this point. And then in South Africa in particular, you know, there's a lot of um, uncertainty at this point in time around the political uh, landscape. You know, we've got the local elections coming through next year. And then, you know, the infrastructure challenges, which which we are all very much acutely exposed to at a point in time. Again, all of this, these factors places a lot of pressure on an already a vulnerable and um, volatile civil sentiment. So so all of these pressures, um, you know, again, places a lot of pressure on lapse rates, which I've previously mentioned, uh, making it very difficult for insurers to um, maintain their current book of policyholders and also grow that business. And, and, and in these these times, you know, faced with these factors, competition becomes very rife. Yeah. I guess, you know, what, what we know is that um, insurance tends to be seen as a grudge purchase, particularly when we are faced with these tough economic, um, you know, situations and scenarios. So when times are tough, you know, consumers wouldn't necessarily... Um, hesitate to either, you know, let go of the insurance cover or maybe even consider moving to another insurance company that offers cheaper premiums. Um, so those, if I could summarize, are really the main, I guess, challenges faced uh, by the industry at the moment. Mm -hmm. And and looking at the the feedback that you received, do you see any positive things, anything that looks towards where opportunities are, um, what has happened that um, will influence sort of positive results in the industry? Yeah, so Tony, um, you know, in spite of all these challenges that we faced with, I think South Africans in particular are quite resilient. And, and looking then closely more to the insurance industry, South African insurers have shown tremendous resilience um, in, in combating these unfavorable conditions. So, um, you know, whether it's, um, and I guess it's particularly through the, um, you know, through the through introducing innovation um, and, and technology initiatives, you know, um, to attract 
new customers and, and, and you know, keep their customers loyal to them. So that, I think, is, is something that the, the industry is, is known for and is quite, um, you know, commended for. Uh, but another uh, another global trend that we're seeing that has also manifested in South Africa is where um, so traditionally insurers are seen more as the risk transfer um, you know entity or, or playing that role where you know us as policyholders know what we can tolerate if we can't tolerate those risks we pass it over to the insurance company. Um, but with the introduction of your um, IoT technology, information of things technology, we see that landscape changing where insurers are moving more into the risk um, management role. So helping policyholders manage the incidence of risk happening from the first time, trying to prevent those claims happening, if at all, or, or trying to limit you know, the extent of those exposures, either through um, you know, incentivizing policyholder behavior, sending out alerts or offering some form of, you know, loyalty programs to to help, I guess, uh, moderate, you know, the extent of losses that are that are coming through. And then lastly, um, ESG implementation, you know, as as difficult as 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 it it is and as um, what's the word as um I can't think of the word right now, but I mean, it's quite a daunting task, right, to implement ESG across your business. But yeah. the key message coming out of that is around, again, back to the theme of customer centricity. You know, if you're able to find ways to help your policyholders meet their ESG goals, you'll be able to in turn meet your own ESG goals. You know, we know that the the current, the younger generation, I guess, they are more acutely aware of what their model standing is on certain issues and you know they very much looking for service providers to al align with their personal values um you know also where it comes to environmental stances social stances governance stances so if you can get that right and and uh, sort of align your offering to their values i think you 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 will be a winner in that respect um and maybe just a closing point um you know many of these issues we've that i've mentioned um, so recently, actually, as of yesterday, our global CEO Outlook survey was released. Um, that's basically a survey of global CEOs. It covers a, a vast array of, of industries and just getting their views on what the future holds on the industry or rather on the, their strategic priorities. What was quite interesting com coming out of that was that um, global CEOs at the moment are reassessing their strategic priorities. And um, there's a couple of areas of focus at the moment. So the first is around the use of generative AI, okay, um, talent management, and then also managing stakeholder expectations as it relates to, to ESG. So very much aligned to what South African insurance companies in particular are focusing on, um, which I found particularly interesting. So just sticking to that, um... Uh, thoughts on AI specifically. Um, the, I mean, as, as you mentioned, I mean, there are lots of take-up um, challenges, etc. Maybe you can give us a little bit of your thought in terms of how the South African industry is taking to that. Yeah, sure, uh, sure, Tony. Um, if we can just go back again to some interesting thoughts coming out of that global CEO survey, which again, you know, we'll see the link to South Africa. What's quite interesting is that it says that 70% um, of global CEOs are investing heavily, heavily in generative AI. 
as a competitive edge for the future, which again is something that we're seeing South African insurers closely consider or considering around that customer centricity agenda. Yeah. Um, but what's equally important is another statistic which says that 57% of global CEOs cite e ethical challenges as quite a key concern when it comes to mm. implementing generative AI, followed closely by a lack of regulation. So I think these two, I think at the moment there's almost, you know, there's a bit of a tug in war, a tug of war where, you know, there's a lot of um, interest and um, excitement around implementing these initiatives, but, you know, many insurers taking a bit of a cautious route at the moment, balancing the ethical concerns with also the regulatory concerns. And I guess, um, you know, we see insurers starting to implement um, technologies like generative AI um, and the likes um, more, uh, you know, in, in various in various ways and forms. So um, from a cost containment perspective, you know, they, they're wanting to not have to be in that place to pass over so many costs to the policyholder, but rather they want to use these types of technologies to automate processes, making processes um, simpler, um, you know, faster, simplifying it, um, just to cut down on their own operational costs to lower the, the expense pressures that they faced with, you know, from a reinsurance side as well. Um, and then, of course, using technology to, as I mentioned previously, you know, manage risks um, for themselves and the policyholders. So through your loyalty programs, you know, IoT technology and the like. So so we do see it um, coming through slowly but surely. Um, and I think there's a lot of excitement around it. Um, but also, I just wanted to draw attention to, um, so in the survey, we've got um, two articles from our data scientists and technology specialists um, around the power of generative AI and other forms of technology. And, you know, again, boiling down to the focus on customer centricity, um, you know, I mentioned using technology from a cost containment measure, but again, back to customer centricity, there's various ways and means in which it can help through, um, um, you know, underwriting uh, processes, you know, claims processes, mm -hmm. claims reporting, making mm -hmm. that quite seamless for the customers. So while you're cutting down costs on your side, at the back end, you need to make sure that the customer is feeling the impact of these, of these efficiencies. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe particularly on the life, non-life side, we see, um, already, you know, the likes of Discovery, uh, you know, having already implemented the, these types of technologies. But more recently, you know, there's been the disruptor in the form of naked insurance um, that really offers a fully digital experience end to end for the consumer. And and also, you know, the 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 they, they offer usage based insurance services. So that that has technology underpinning it. On the life insurance side, we see um, Recently, we've seen a lot of strategic partnerships with insurtechs and other similar entities um, just to um, improve digital reach into these niche markets. So that that is really where we see it coming through more tangibly um, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, both um, short-term brokers as well as the financial advisors over the last um, probably decade, decade, two decades even, have complained about um, admin and compliance becoming uh, such a heavy burden, which means that they can spend less time with their clients, which is what they're actually good at doing. Yes, and your yes. report looking at 
um, the human side, I suppose with AI, one could take more of those administrative and compliance burdens away from these advisors and therefore give them time for the human in front of sitting in front of their clients. Yes, that's exactly it, Tony. It's it's about making sure that at the end of the day, you know, without customers, you won't have a business, right? So it's about recognizing the importance of spending time and building those relationships because that's really what um what that's the differentiating factor, I guess, in being able to to keep a customer, a loyal customer for a longer period of time and and having them understand that you have them as a person. Um, you know, at the center of, of your focus. So I totally agree with, with that comment, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kashmira, just to close off with maybe a bit of comment on reinsurance. I've spoken to a lot of reinsurers over the last while um, about, you know, especially the hard market. Everybody thought that with more capital coming in, the market is going to soften a bit, but that didn't happen. Um, and maybe you can give us some of your thoughts on the effect of that on the uh, primary insurers. Yeah, sure, sure, um, Tony. So you know, I mentioned it earlier that it's 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 a uh, it's something that is also globally trending at this point. You know, it's not isolated to South Africa. Um, if you look at the non-life insurers, you know, they 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 had a tough year with the KwaZulu Natal floods and the. Um, civil unrest uh, claims that came through, but had it not been for the the uh, cover that they had with the reinsurers, I think they would have had a worse year than they actually had. So, mm-hmm. if you look at the, the If we look at the non-life insurers, um, you know, in spite of the the major loss events that they experienced, they still managed to generate a profit of seven billion rand for the year, um, albeit lower than the profit of eleven point six billion rand experienced in the prior year. Um, just to know that that excludes um, Sazria, as that's seen as a once-off event. Um, but yes, I think um, the hardening of the market is. Um, is very much already seen in the results that we've surveyed. So we're reinsurers, um, you know, the reinsurance on the primary market, the reinsurance expense has increased. But when you look at the results of reinsurers, they had a very good year in terms of gross written premiums. Um, I think they managed to grow gross written premiums by 18%, uh, which is very different to the downward trend we saw in the last three years. And that really is due to the hardening of the market. What... um, what we've seen is that um, I think over the last few years, you know, with with COVID and that, there was almost a wait and see approach. You know, reinsurers being a bit cautious, not making rash or harsh decisions very quickly. Um, mm. But the time has come where you know they are also not able to um, absorb a lot of those uh, pressures and exposures without um, you know that being reflected in the pricing because they're also pressured by their. Um, you know, they're holding companies in retrocession is to 
to to pass on some of these costs. So, but I guess you know again the message is that you know in spite of the massive losses by the industry, they wouldn't have been able to come out as they have had it not been for the support and the cover provided by reinsurers. Um, so I guess what the the market is is also saying is that you know this hardened market is here to stay for the near future. Um, they, there is capacity available to the market, and they're happy to give that capacity on the basis that this is reflected in the pricing structures. Mm. Um, and again, you know, back to the primary insurers, sooner or later, these costs will need to possibly start filtering down to the consumer, if not so already. Um, so it is going to be a challenging couple of years ahead, but I think that the decisions or the um, I guess the support that's being provided by reinsurers and insurers alike to the South African economy as a whole um, is still positive and commendable and is for the greater good. Mm, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, your last words are the correct one. The health of the insurance industry is um, really, really important for the health of the South African economy. Yes. Um, so, yeah. A lot of us also have money invested there, so mm -hmm. yeah, pension funds, etc. Casimira, uh, thank you so much. It was great um, chatting to you, and thank you very much for sharing um, some information on um, the survey. And I look forward to um, getting hold of that CEO survey as well. So thank you, Tony, for having me. It's been a pleasure um, chatting with you today.